The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcasts. We appreciate you taking the time to download us here. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, as always, by my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico. It is Super Bowl week. Unfortunately, the Buffalo Bills are not playing in the big game. I don't know about you, Jamie. Do you have any rooting interest in, uh, in Sunday's game? Uh, I, I'm very torn on this one because you have the possibility for the Chiefs to launch the next dynasty. Um, you kind of don't want to see that happen. And at the same time, it's like, oh, I'm sick of Tom Brady. I, does he really need another ring? He's going to like win another Super Bowl ring and go home and have sex with his supermodel wife. And I'm so sick of that guy. I wish he would just <laughs> like, I wish he would just like choke on his Uggs or something. Well, I think a lot of Bills fans feel, you know, feel that way. And it was despicable to hear reporters asking Brady and he mentions he might be able to play beyond age 45. The guy is not human. He is not of this earth. He signed some deal with the TB12 devil to be playing at such a high level so far into his 40s. I look, I want a good game. I think it'll be a high scoring affair. I hope the Chiefs win, even though. I hate Tom Brady. I don't want him getting a ring, but I'm starting to really develop a dislike for the Chiefs too. And yeah. you know, it's it, I it, I say that I like Patrick Mahomes a lot. He yeah. seems like a really good dude, upstanding guy. Um, big fan of his, but I can't stand Tyreek Hill. Uh, his off the field allegations drive me crazy. His abuse. Uh, his his issues with women um, make him somebody not to root for, and just the dirty play that. We saw from the Chiefs, you know, Chris Jones taking a punch at Mongo Feliciano, Alex Okafor, that roughing the passer penalty in the fourth quarter. I love Josh's little rebuke of spinning the football at his helmet, which, of course, somehow led to Feliciano, uh, Deion Dawkins and Josh Allen getting fined and Alex Okafor getting no penalty whatsoever. What the hell is that all about, NFL? Also, no fine on Stefan Diggs getting picked up and slammed after the whistle. Oh, my God. That was like a WWE move out there. How the hell is 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 Diggs basically slammed to the ground? And, you know, that's the thing. 
I like Andy Reid. I like Patrick Mahomes. I do like me some Travis Kelsey. I think he is an unworldly tight end. But the Chiefs have so many characters where it's like, I, I don't like you guys. So it's almost like, can this game end in a tie? As Donovan McNabb famously wondered about the Super Bowl. I just have no team I'm really pulling for, I guess, is my long-winded way of saying that the game it's going to come it's going to go i wish the bills were playing but you know here this is a long-winded segue of going into what we are going to do at believe uh this off season the off season can be long it can be arduous there's a lot of speculation and we kind of talked about it in our season ending podcast after the bills had fallen to the chiefs about what buffalo needs to do to close that gap between themselves and Kansas city and take that next step forward. We are really thrilled to offer up our rundown for bills fans of what we are going to do between now and the draft to make you feel informed and knowledgeable about the Buffalo bills from our humble perspectives over the next 10 weeks. We at believe are going to be kicking off our off season previews by doing a thorough state of the Buffalo bills. We're going to spend one episode each week focusing on a breakdown and review of the contributions, the strengths, and the weaknesses of Buffalo's key units, including, of course, the quarterback play, running back room, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the safeties, and the special teams. We really hope that by doing this deep dive analysis, this will set the stage for what we feel general manager Brandon Bean and head coach Sean McDermott will do and should do this offseason as the Bills look to close that gap between themselves and the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's some flexibility in this schedule here because we do want to give one full episode giving our free agency primer leading up to the start of the free agency period in March and one full episode to dedicate towards an NFL draft preview. But Jamie, I think this is really a cool way for us to go through the offseason because we can spend time just diving into what Buffalo has, what they need, and then what moves the team needs to do to make this position a unit of strength uh, in 2021. When you kind of break it down by position group, the way we plan on doing it, and we've done this in the past, and what ended up happening with me is it sort of opened my eyes to some things I'm not sure I realized previously. For example, last season I started uh, banging the banging the desk about uh, the offensive line. I didn't realize that I thought the offensive line was such a weakness before we started talking about it. And then I'm like, man, get Quentin Spain out of here. Like, man, I don't think these guys are very good. Uh, Cody Ford, I think this guy sucks. <laughs> Lo and behold. Lo and behold, you were right. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I, I hate it when I'm right and it's negative. um but there's inevitably going to be turnover in in the offseason and when it comes to the draft and when it comes to free agency it's kind of important to know what happened in the past to know what needs to happen going forward so putting our thinking caps on and because we know brandon bean and we've talked about this before brandon bean listens to this show and hi brandon we're just just shout out to you, Mr. Bean. Um, <laughs> so what we talk about here is going to have a huge impact on what the Bills do this offseason. So you, the listener, can be a part of it. So send us your tweets also. We, we want to know what you think. 
Oh, absolutely. We want your feedback and, and what we're going to do. Um, like I said, moving forward each week, we'll spend on one positional unit talking about what Buffalo has and what moves we maybe want to see where they need to shore up that position for 2021, because the bills have done such now the bills have done a great job under Bean and McDermott in taking a roster that was devoid of talent. Yeah. The bills had some, some players that were good, but for the most part in the 17 year playoff drought, the bills lacked what a winning team needs to succeed, which is balance top to bottom at the 53 man roster. And What's unfortunate about the pandemic, many things are unfortunate, but as far as the bills are concerned, the salary cap figure is in flux. It's projected to be somewhere between 175 and $185 million in 2021, which is a far cry from what they were expecting before the pandemic, when I believe the estimates were around 205 to $210 million um, that would be operating with the cap space, which meant that Buffalo would have some room to go after giving Matt Milano an extension, locking up Josh Allen to a contract extension, deciding what to do with Tremaine Edmonds with his fifth-year option and uh, possibly a contract extension as well. Instead, with Buffalo being so tight up against the cap, that's going to drive a lot, almost all of what Brandon Bean does. And, And we'll talk about the ways that the bills can save some money. There's some veterans that could be on the chopping block. Those aspects will all be part of our positional units uh, and our reviews of those units moving forward into the off season. But as it stands right now, Jamie, the bills are going to be up against it. They might have as little as $3.8 million uh, in cap space. uh, If the cap is say, $185 $185 million. If it's $175 million, I believe the bills are slightly over the cap space. And if it's $180 million, the bills, as they're currently constituted, are roughly $1 million over the cap. Now, this isn't the New Orleans Saints who are like $70 bajillion over the cap, and they're they're screwed when it comes to their 2021 fortunes. The bills aren't in that dire of a situation. But things are not great, Bob, when it comes to Buffalo and the salary cap. I think this is the wrong time for Bills fans to get attached to any one player because there's going to be turnover. The interesting thing is because so many teams are going to be over the cap, this is going to be an offseason where you see a lot of player movement, a lot of one-year contracts where people are playing for players are accepting under market value because they need a job and the top players are still going to get paid. It's everybody in the mid level and the lower levels that are going, they're going to struggle this year. Now to their credit, the bills have been really good at finding bargain values, especially along the offensive line. Uh, You saw it this year with Daryl Williams. You saw it in the past with John Feliciano guys that, you know, other teams didn't think were worthy of starting. Well, the Bills got them on really manageable prices, and they performed well. In fact, I would say with both of those players in particular, they outperformed their contracts. I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. Unfortunately, some players that we really like, i.e. the Matt Milanos, may not be around next season, and that's going to be that, that's going to suck. Like Honestly, it sounds like they're going to lose Milano at, at least – what Brandon Bean had to say, which is that 
Milano earned the right to test free agency to find out what he's worth, that sounds like they are not going to come to an agreement before free agency begins. And I just don't see how they could come up with an estimated, according to SpotTrack, he's going to be worth an estimated $14 million a season. I just don't see how the Bills are going to come up with that. That'll be awful to lose that guy, won't it? Especially, it will. And especially at that salary cap figure. Yeah, Spot Track projects around $14 million uh, per for Matt Milano. And it, it all depends on where the Bills fall um, with their salary cap situation. And there's a bunch of veterans that now, if you're a veteran like a John Brown or a Quinton Jefferson or a Vernon Butler or a Lee Smith, you know, you, nothing is guaranteed. And I would be surprised if any of those bills are back next year without major cap restructuring taking place on on their contracts there's also current players who probably will be back who could see their deals get restructured like mitch morse aj klein and mario addison the bills can free up money to re-sign matt milano but it's not going to be easy it's going to be painful and i think you nailed it when you said don't get attached to too many of the current bills who are not locked up under contract. Um, a lot of the free agent contracts that Buffalo has, and the bills do have a lot of free agents, uh, that are coming due. Uh, there's seven, I believe on the offensive line. Um, there's a bunch that Buffalo really could be losing. Um, and, and that's a challenge that winning teams face. It's why I hate to say this, but what the Patriots did was so remarkable during the bill Belichick, Tom Brady era, they were able to get back to the AFC championship game in the Super Bowl repeatedly in spite of a situation where they're set up to fail winning teams in the NFL more than any other sport are set up to fail the following season because of the tight salary cap restrictions because of the scheduling where you face a tougher schedule, the more successful you are. It's just not set up and not conducive for teams to put on prolonged periods of winning, which is why the bills have such a tough challenge ahead of them this off season with so many free agents. And, and you're right. I think the middling free agents, the market's not going to be there uh, like it was last year, which is why it was smart that Buffalo locked up a lot of their own, including Deion Dawkins and Trey white last off season um, before this cap situation really went in a dire situation. With that being said, Jamie, and again, we are going to set the stage. We're doing a week-by-week week podcast, breaking down each of our positions. But before we actually get started, which will be next week, we'll talk about the quarterback room. This week, we want to talk about the two or three biggest concerns, biggest areas of weakness where you see Buffalo needing to improve this offseason. What to you, Jamie D'Amico, is the biggest question mark, the biggest area of concern that you've got about this Bills roster heading into 2021? Defensive line. They didn't get much of a pass rush. They had a hard time stopping the run with only four guys. They had to bring numbers in order to do both. And I need my defensive line making plays with only four guys not bringing up the linebackers. This defense is designed to have linebackers dropping into coverage and also keeping the linebackers clean so they can make the tackles. The Bills got pushed around both in the running game and uh, in the passing game when they were on defense. I need them getting to the quarterback. You had Jerry Hughes, who had another good year. He was probably a top 10 DE once again. 
Didn't quite have the sack numbers, but that's fine. You know, sacks are not the end all be all. But man, there were times that they were just getting pushed three, four yards off the line of scrimmage against the run. And that can't happen in order to be successful. And when teams were when teams were playing from behind against the Bills, Bills were not getting in there and making the quarterbacks uncomfortable. They got to do something about that pass rush. Yeah, I feel like it's a broken record with us on Believe that pass rush is a major area of concern. And I want to say what I'm going to say here about the defensive line. I I don't think they're my top uh, area. It's a I have a one A and a one B, and and I'm sure you can tell by the comments I made earlier. My one A and one B for the weaknesses Buffalo has to address. It's the trenches on both sides of the ball. It's the offensive line and the defensive line. And it's not like it's a radical sentiment to say that Buffalo needs to get better in both those units. But starting on the defensive side of things, Jamie, what really bothered me about this unit was it's not like Buffalo missed out on bringing back Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips, and they had boom seasons with their new teams. Those guys didn't do anything remarkable with their new squads, the Dolphins and the Cardinals. But the competition that Buffalo brought in to replace them really had a meh kind of season. You know, Vernon Butler and Quinton Jefferson were nothing special in any of their contributions. Mario Addison was decent enough, but he's old. He's going to be 34, I believe, when the season starts. Jerry Hughes, the incumbent veteran, is 33 going on 34. So this unit does not, and, and, you know, and there's not a lot that Buffalo got from their free agents that they brought in last year, which makes me think in a year where things are going to be tight and you need to find those bargains to come in, edge rushers are not bargains. They are such an overpriced commodity. You need one. Everybody wants one, but nobody knows how to put the the formula together to really get a great pass rusher in free agency because the market is set so high for these guys. I don't know what the solution is. I don't have... My, we haven't even started the free agency primer who Buffalo could go out there and sign, but Buffalo just does not have the horses to get after the quarterback with the front four, which is a shame because the back end of this defense is as good as any in the league, uh, especially with Trey White, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer. When it comes to getting after the pass rusher, Jerry Hughes had another consistent season according to Pro Football Focus, which has its warts, but there are also some benefits to this service when it comes to their analytics. Uh, Jerry Hughes had an 8.5% success rate on pressures per pass rush per snap played, which is ninth in the league, and he had 54 total pressures on the quarterback, which is a really good figure for someone like a Jerry Hughes. And Mario Addison ranked 34th amongst edge rushers, his percentage of pressures per pass rush snap played was a little bit under 7%. So those two are decent, but not great. But Brandon Bean needs to figure out what does he do with this unit besides bringing Jerry back and Mario will most likely be back too. Vernon Butler and Quinton Jefferson signed two-year deals with escape clauses where Buffalo can get out basically scot-free, um, moving forward in 2021. So to me, Jamie, something has to be done with the defensive line. I'm hoping that Starla Tula Lay's return 
will free up more of the edge rushers to do their job because Buffalo truly lacked that one technique DT this year that could really be disruptive up the middle. I'm hoping that leads to a resurgence for this unit, but Bean's got to do something because right now it's very underwhelming what Buffalo has on the D-line. And we'll see what ends up becoming available. Uh, You can always sort of hope that the draft falls in your favor. They drafted A.J. Epinesa last year in the second round, but he really didn't contribute much. Um, You know, he ended up putting Trent Murphy to the bench, but I don't think that that was any major accomplishment. Trent Murphy, I mean... We agreed before the season that he shouldn't have made the team and they should have used that $8 million to roll over into the cap next year. But they, you know, I I, I think they believed that they were going to be playing for the Super Bowl this year and they wanted all hands on deck. And, well, they were right. They were playing for the Super Bowl. They just didn't seem to account for the fact that Trent Murphy was going to be inactive most of the season, despite being the starter in week one. That, and that was a major miscue. I mean, can you imagine if the Bills had eight, eight and a half million dollars more to play with in this cash strapped situation by releasing Murphy, who again, yeah, he did virtually nothing. The only time that Murphy contributed, in my humble opinion, he had a good game against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Uh, I thought I, the whole defense did a great job of containing Baltimore's quarterback. But other than that, fine. And the Denver Broncos game, I believe Murphy had a decent performance Um, there as well but other than that I don't think Murphy did anything of note and that's just wasted money where Buffalo could have rolled over that um, to give them some more cap savings I do want to say Jamie if Buffalo does part ways with Butler with Jefferson and with Trent Murphy they should be able to create roughly 13.5 million dollars in cap savings which is nothing to laugh at nothing to laugh at but you still can't resign Matt Milano for that amount so that's that. That's really where it starts getting interesting. Is you can create the savings, but what can you then do with it? Is it going to be a very suppressed free agent market? Are even the high end players like Matt Milano, who really is going to be the best off the ball linebacker in in free agency this year? Um, is it going to suppress his? his price on the market or is he still going to get paid? It's going to be a really interesting off season. And here's the other side of it. The bills seem to have really good uh, pro personnel scouting. I wouldn't be surprised if they can find players at a bargain rate to come in and be major contributors. So do they need Milano back? Probably, but they may not. And when you talk about the guys on the defensive line that could be let go to create that $13 million savings, to me, they were just guys this year. They were not even fringe starters. They were quality backups, if that. I feel like you can get that much cheaper. You can you can get that for the veteran minimum if you wait for the dust to settle. After the first surge of free agency, wait until after the draft. You're going to see your big name guys. You're right. The big name guys are going to go, even if it's a reduced price this year compared to what it would have been last year in free agency. You're right. I think the bills need to be very prudent with their money. And you know, you're not going to see a big, sexy splash 
come out of one Bills drive this year. I'm sorry, you're not. For the Bills fans who are hoping that Buffalo finds a way to bring in Yannick Ngakwe or you know, right. a Frank Clark type, those guys are not walking through the door. They're just not. And one player I don't want to hear anybody bring up, do do not try to tell me how great this team would be if they just would sign Jadavian Clowney. Nope. He's got to be one of the most overrated players we've ever seen. He had zero sacks this past season. And Bills fans were ready to you know jump off Niagara Falls in a barrel when the Bills had a chance to bring in Clowney this year and didn't. And you know what? Hindsight's 2020, but that was a smart non-call by the Bills to not bring in Clowney, who again, his better days, his best days are far behind him. And I'm glad that Buffalo hopefully uh, will will stay the course and not not bring in someone like Clowney. And they got to find a bargain basement guy to come in. The Bills still have the pieces, younger pieces. I mean, we're going to have Harrison Phillips and Starla Tulele, Ed Oliver coming back. There's a lot of bodies. I just don't think the overpriced vet is the way to go with the uh, with the D line. And we have plenty of time to go through our defensive line state of the bills but it's kind of that to me is one of the biggest glaring weaknesses that buffalo has during this offseason and i want to shift gears jamie now to the other side of the trenches the offensive line a unit you correctly predicted had holes before the season started this is an area where the bills are going to be facing a lot of change uh, during the offseason. We heard Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both talk about the Bills need to run the ball better in 2021. And as much as fans want to pin a lot of this on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, the Hosses up front were just not carrying their load this year when it came to the run game. I definitely target the offensive line as my number one B priority for the offseason, Buffalo needs to get better with this. And it's going to be tough, Jamie, because there's a lot of guys that Buffalo could be losing. Headlined, of course, by unrestricted free agents John Feliciano and Daryl Williams and restricted free agent Ike Bakker. So what do you think? What is How, how big of a weakness is this offensive line heading into the offseason? It, it's a huge issue because it puts too much, it, it puts too much pressure on Josh Allen. Because the Bills couldn't run the ball, that meant that meant 80% of their offense had to run through one player. And that's not how you wind up winning a Super Bowl. Teams that win Super Bowls inevitably are well-balanced, both offense, defense, passing, running. They can kind of do it all. And that's what you need. That's what we need to see the Bills do. And... While the players were an issue, I wonder how much of it was also schematic. Were the Bills offensive line players being put in positions to do things that they aren't good at? For example, they did more zone blocking than they had done in previous seasons. Mitch Morse is not a zone blocker. Mitch Morse is at his best when he's pulling. And he's Brandon Bean said it. He's not a guy who's going to knock a nose tackle three yards off the line of scrimmage. But that's what you need when you're running a zone scheme. He needs to get out and lead block, pulling around the edge. And he was never put in that position this season. So what are the Bills going to do scheme-wise? And whatever it is that they happen to do, is that going to match up with their personnel? Um, Jeff Kantrowski our scarecrow here on Buffalo Rumblings harps on it regularly. And he's so right. 
is the offensive line a case of where you want the five best players or the five players that fit best together like a puzzle? He believes that the players that fit together the best are going to have the best ultimate result. And I agree with him on that. I have learned one thing about Scarecrow during our time working at Buffalo Rumblings. He knows his shit. He knows he does all those deep dives with the gifs and breaking down the plays comprehensively. I Maybe I was fooled, but I thought Buffalo had figured something out with their offensive line, starting with the San Francisco game, when they put the same five guys out there who were really, I thought, making progress uh, when it came to the continuity on the offensive line. And that was Deion Dawkins at left tackle, Ike Bucker at left guard, Mitch Morris at center, John Feliciano at right guard, and Daryl Williams at right tackle. Ultimately getting Brian Winter out of there. Oh my gosh. Addition by subtraction. Get rid of him. I don't... Brian Winters could come up to Brandon Bean and say, here's $10 million. I want to play for the bills next year. And I'd be, I'd have to think twice before taking his money because I just, (laughs) I don't want that dude back. He was such a, if the jets, I I should have realized, and I will admit I've saved the receipts. I was wrong on winters. I thought he was a good low risk, potentially high reward investment when the jets cut him. And the bill scooped him up. I couldn't have been further off on my prognosis. So, you know, he was a bum. Get rid of him. But the Bills, if you talk about that starting five, there are three guys up there whose contracts are up, essentially, with Buffalo. Butker, who's a restricted free agent, which I think he has a very good chance of coming back because the Bills technically have the rights and they can negotiate first with him um, on a contract. Versus Feliciano and Daryl Williams, I, I I find it really hard to believe that we're in a world where both of those guys are going to be back. I can see one. I could definitely see Feliciano coming back. Daryl Williams, I, I, I think he's gone. I think he's played his last snaps in Buffalo. And that's going to leave a major void um, because Deion Dawkins is a stud. And thank goodness he's locked up. But in the center of that unit, you've got Mitch Morse, who is one of the more polarizing figures on Buffalo because there's fans who say cut him, save the $5 million and re-sign Feliciano, put him at center. But to do that, you're making the argument that you trust Ike Bucker and Cody Ford to be your other two starting guards. And I'm not at that point. I'm not at that point where I'm comfortable. I would rather bring back Morse. And my concerns with Morse are also due to his concussion risks. He suffered another one this year we just don't know how much longer his body is going to hold up but i don't know jamie is the solution really to cut someone to create yet another vacancy at a situation where there are tons of holes i don't think it's the answer you know it's it's a great question because if you're going to let somebody go you need to have a plan to get in somebody who is at least as good but will save you money and If I'm Mitch Morris, frankly, I'm considering retiring anyway. Five concussions, you become more susceptible to them as you go on. I, it's hard to walk away from ten million dollars, right? He's set to make about ten million this season. Normal people don't walk away from that, right? However, you know where is this going to take you? You know, I don't want to turn this into a CTE discussion, but that is really what the what the concern is at the, at this point. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting and I don't want to I, I have some thoughts on this, but I want to wait until we actually get into our offensive line deep dive. 
before I really start unveiling some thoughts here. Fair enough. And and I do appreciate you having some uh, restraint because we we have a lot of content we're going to roll out over the offseason. My point just being with the Mitch Moore situation is there's a lot of moving parts and you could potentially be taking one of the pieces you're counting on and creating yet another hole to fill when there's not offensive linemen are, are tough to come by who are good and productive without breaking the bank to bring in the bills have, I will tease this though. I think the bills have a wild card in house who, if Mitch Morris decides to retire and is not named John Feliciano could slide in and give the bills good productivity anchor in the offensive line a teaser for a podcast coming up down the road when it comes to i the can't wait line. to find out who you're talking about <laughs> and i'll give you a clue it's not uh it's not jordan devy who buffalo just re-signed <laughs> uh earlier this week but i so we're in agreement that the offensive line and the defensive line are two major areas That's of it. concern is there anything else in summation quickly jamie that you would want to point out where it's 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 not the top concern like both sides of the line, but it's causing you some palpitations. Uh, CB two and tight end. I would agree. I think that I think CB two more so than tight end because I I feel like the Bills have to solve this riddle of who starts opposite Trey White and you know Taron Johnson in the nickel. I like him. He's made a lot of strides. I think he is going to be a very solid contributor, but he's not the CB two. Levi Wallace is not the CB2. Josh Norman is definitely not the CB2. So whether it's through the draft or finding one of those, again, this could be the perfect year for Buffalo. And I don't have a guy that I can pull and say he's the guy, but the Bills need to find a Daryl Williams type at the cornerback spot. Somebody who maybe they're coming off of an injury, but the pedigree is there. Daryl Williams was an all pro a couple years ago in 2017 before the Bills signed him this year. And he had such a a, a boom type of contract and, and play on the field that he's going to price himself out of coming back to Buffalo. The Bills need to find somebody on like a prove it type contract to start at CB2 or they draft somebody because right now that's an area where the Bills have such strength in the back that you've got to find someone to step up. And I don't think Dane Jackson's the guy quite yet. He could be. Maybe Buffalo goes after a yeah, we don't know. There's there's just too much unknown with, with Dane Jackson. But I will say I like what I've seen so far from the rookie seventh rounder. But Buffalo find find a stopgap, find a one or two year contract type guy for a CB2 to step up outside of Trey White, because that would really shore up the entire back end of that defense. There you have it. There is our outline of the areas that Buffalo needs to address, what our thoughts are on the biggest areas of weakness heading into the offseason. We look forward to rolling out our offseason schedule of content here. Starting up next week, we will break down the quarterbacks. Uh, We have some great thoughts we'll share with you guys on what Buffalo has, what they need to do with a backup. Is the backup currently in Buffalo in Matt Barkley, or is there a veteran who makes more sense to bring in to backup Josh Allen? We will have all of those thoughts for you and more coming up next week on bill leave a buffalo bills fan podcast you can also get involved with our pod on social media jamie is at the jamie d'amico and i am at john boccasino for my colleague jamie d'amico i'm john boccasino we'll catch you next week on the latest episode of bill leave 